Welcome to Rams Up, a Los Angeles Rams podcast. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We cover other SoCal sports news of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is Rams Up, your Los Angeles Rams podcast, and this is our draft recap. We will be recapping the entire Los Angeles Rams 2022 draft coming up. I have Tom Quartz and Paul Walia back. We're going to go through every pick. We're going to scrutinize the Rams strategy, identify what holes remain, anything and everything related to the Rams draft coming up here in a second. And that segment is also available on our YouTube channel. Check it out. Do a search for LA Rams Up podcast and it'll show up on our way to getting a custom URL for that site so we can send you directly to it. But do that search. You'll find it easy enough. One and a half hours of Rams draft talk. And that's coming up on this podcast as well, of course. Not much else to talk about this week. I will mention a few things. Troy Hill coming back to the Rams. We discussed that as well. Things didn't work out with the Browns that he should produce for the Rams, just like he did before he left. Really solidifying our defensive backfield over the last couple of days. No doubt about that. And still a chance, the Honey Badger coming to the Rams. Tyron Matthews still out there. But as we speak, rumors afloat that the Saints are making a push for him, so we'll see what happens. We discussed that in our draft recap. And at the time of recording, we were pretty convinced he's going to be a Ram. By the time you hear this, it may not be the case anymore. A real quick look at what some of the other NFC West teams have done. Down the road, we are going to have a segment dedicated to our NFC West rivals and what they have done specifically in the draft. But real quickly... I'll mention all three teams. The Cardinals arming up. They trade for Hollywood Brown. They draft perhaps the best tight end in the draft, Trey McBride. So they're heading to their arsenal. They also drafted two defensive ends in the third round. The 49ers drafted a defensive end. I really liked Drake Jackson out of USC. They drafted yet another running back, Tyreon Davis Price out of LSU. They already have Elijah Mitchell. They drafted Trey Sermon last year. So is this just an admission that Sermon was a miss? And Mitchell missed six games last year, so it kind of makes sense. And they also drafted SMU wide receiver Danny Gray. What did Seattle do? They drafted a very good left tackle, Charles Cross, who has much more experience pass blocking than he does run blocking. They also drafted the running back, Kenneth Walker III. A lot of scrutiny for that pick. Why? Because they have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny really started to step it up late last season. But Walker's a good running back. Just not sure that addresses Seattle's biggest needs. And they drafted a cornerback that we all liked here at Rams Up. Paul Wally and Tom Quartz were all big fans of Kobe Bryant. He is a Seattle Seahawk. That's just a real quick look at our NFC West rivals. We'll have a segment doing a deep dive into that down the road a bit. Coming up next, our comprehensive discussion. Paul, Tom, and I 
recap the Rams' 2022 NFL Draft. The NBA playoffs means next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Rams Up, your L.A. Rams podcast. And last week we did a pre-draft roundtable with Paul and Tom. We have them back this week to do a recap from a Rams perspective. How you doing, Paul? You're out in Long Island still, I assume? Out here in beautiful Long Island, relaxing, celebrating after the uh, after the draft. And very excited to see you both again, my favorite Rampages out west. Uh, the Lombardi Trophy has made its way out east. I have it here. I'm taking great care of it. I'll send it back when I'm done uh, You, so you and Tom can uh, share it. And how are you doing, Tom? Hey, great. Just uh, up here in Raider and 49er territory in uh, Northern California. And uh, so uh, a couple of other, couple of teams that are extremely excited about their prospects, not only with the draft, but going into the season. And uh, so a lot of football excitement in the air. Yes, and so everyone knows, if you're listening to this on our typical podcast, on your favorite podcast platform, you can also find this segment of the podcast on our new YouTube channel, trying to build up some presence there. So go to YouTube and search for LA Rams Up, and we'll pop up there for you. We don't have a custom URL a custom URL yet. We, we need subscribers to make that happen, so please subscribe. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast, please. We really appreciate it. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about this pod. We're going to talk about this Rams draft, and these are the picks. We'll go through them real quick. Well, you can see them on your screen. There, you got the the guard out of Wisconsin, our third Wisconsin offensive lineman now, the cornerback out of South Carolina State, a running back, a safety. And then two more DBs, a cornerback and a defensive uh, back, and in between them, a defensive end, and A.J. R. Curry. Hey, one question for you guys. How do you see uh, – how would you characterize Daniel Hardy? Is he strictly an edge guy? Uh, I've seen him listed as an off, outside linebacker, a defensive end, an edge. I guess it just depends on the scheme. How would you characterize Daniel Hardy? Yeah, I think he's mostly an edge. I think that's how they drafted him. And uh, um, I, I, yeah, I haven't really heard anything other than that. And any any comments um, on the nature of these picks? Let me pull up a position by position uh, look at what the Rams did here. That gives our listeners some perspective. Um,
They um, So between the draft and the trade for Troy Hill, they added five DBs. They added the one interior offensive lineman and our Curry, which I characterize as a swing tackle. I think they drafted him for his versatility. And the one edge guy, Hardy, one running back. Uh, it, it, does any of this surprise you as far as the positions they picked? Yeah, I was sort of surprised that they didn't go O-line uh, a little earlier in the draft. And I was surprised that they only wound up with one late edge rusher. But, you know, edge is also a very popular position. So those guys were flying off the boards as well. But Yeah, I think uh, in our pre-draft roundtable, we all nailed it pretty well between the three of us as what they would be focusing on. Maybe not the order, but the positions that they would focus on. Yeah, the uh, yeah, there was was clearly a heavy focus heavy focus on the defensive backs right between the cornerbacks and the safeties, um, and uh, and then O line with that guard and the tackle. Uh, they're always going to pick a running back. I think your special assistant uh, made that suggestion and they listened. Um, and then the edge and you know Daniel Hardy's a little bit of a project there, but uh, uh, yeah, so. It, then you know maybe we can discuss after we go through these what kind of uh, what message this sends to the um, you know in terms of what uh, free agents and whatnot that they might still be looking at. Okay, yeah, I agree. Let's uh, go through <clears throat> these picks one at a time, shall we? Sounds good. Oh, real quickly, I'll mention the trades: um, a trade with the Bucks and a trade with the Raiders. Basically, ended up with eight picks, the same number of picks, just moving around a little bit. And then they traded next year's fifth for Troy Hill. Get that out of the way here. That's the boring trade stuff. Try to keep track of that during uh, during the draft would drive you crazy. And so the first pick was this third round, uh, number 104, Logan Bruss, the guard out of Wisconsin. 6.6 uh, grade on NFL.com, three-year starter. And from what I heard, uh, you know, the Rams really look at Wisconsin offensive linemen because their scheme is so similar to the Rams. It makes it very easy for them to assess how they're going to fit into their scheme. This guy was not on my radar, but makes sense. We should have thought about that. Uh, they've already drafted fairly recently two Wisconsin offensive linemen, and now they had a third Badger. Uh, how do you feel about this draft pick, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I love the draft pick. Uh, the, the The fact that they're they know they have to hit on these on this pick, right? They know that it's really important um, that they hit on this pick because of the of the need, probably among, uh, especially after the Troy Hill uh, trade. This is their biggest need: is that um, that guard position, that right guard position. So, uh, they had to have a lot of confidence in it. They have a lot of information about him. They have a lot of confidence in the Wisconsin program. Obviously, know it well uh, with uh, Havenstein and Edwards. Haven't been there, and uh, just just a stand-up guy, a redshirt senior, lots of experience, and uh, just somebody they can really, really trust to jump in there and plug that huge hole they have uh, at that right guard position. And Paul, how about you? You like this pick? Yeah, I love this pick. Logan Bruss uh, fits perfectly, like you said, what they want to do in that zone. His toughness, his leadership uh, overall – I think he's much uh, more mobile than people give him credit for. Uh, there was another prospect, Cordell Volson, from South Dakota State. I think those two were like almost identical type 
prospects, but great, great pick. One sack allowed over uh, 596 snaps. You know, really speaks to his consistency, multi-year starter. Everything the Rams usually look for when they uh, look at prospects, he checked all the boxes, like you know, like we said. A couple of other notes on Logan Bruss. Um, he uh, a really smart guy, graduated with a degree in industrial engineering, um, not like, uh, you know, physical uh, fitness or something that a lot of these guys do. He, uh, he had... Uh, zero holding penalties in his entire college career. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, uh, so, um, and the other thing is, is that as most people know, he, uh, played right tackle his entire senior year. And so while he uh, fits better as a guard, he does have that versatility at, at tackle in case, uh, there's an injury there and he could shoot, shoot out and we can put somebody else in a guard or Coleman Shelton or something like that. Yeah, and we all heard the story about Brian Hill jumping into the pool when they made this pick, and he's the lead scout that also uh, pushed the Rams to draft Jordan Fuller and Cooper Cup, so he's got an excellent track record, that's for sure. Yeah, a little bit of toughness uh, toughness there, too. Apparently, he broke his foot in the first half of the championship game in high school and um, strapped it up and played through it and helped us win a team win the championship. So always got to love the guys that uh, that'll play through the injuries and, and love the game. So we're thinking our right guard will be Coleman Shelton or very possibly Logan Bruss at this point. I think it was a smart move to draft him, like to increase like the uh, competition in that position, right? It increases the odds of getting uh, your best option to get into the starting lineup. So Logan Bruss, Shelton, and maybe another veteran or whoever else that they bring in, um, I think, or maybe a UDFA even, because there's a, there were a lot of players that were undrafted that are quality players that are still out there. So I think that's the idea, right? You have as much competition as humanly possible for that position and choose the person. And you still got Bobby Evans, too, in the mix. But what really stood out for me with Logan Bruss on the tape, when you watch the tape, is for a person that they're saying is not really mobile and nimble, when he went to the second level, he was looking for someone to hit, and he was able to. And that's not an easy thing to do in space as a as a lineman. You can ask any lineman. He was able to find people, and he was able to put them through the ground. He was really, really good at that. And you watch all his games; it was a very consistent attribute. And I think that is the one thing that stood out for me with him: that he can get to the second level, he can find those those bodies that he needs to attack and when he's able to square them up and finish them off. So that's something that we can look forward to um, if he gets to the starting lineup. Yeah, there were a lot of cornerbacks still on the board that I liked, but I can't argue with interior offensive line at this point. So I think we're all happy with that pick. I think he's going to be uh, a, a really positive addition. I feel much better about our offensive line at this point. There still is one concern I'll get to later on with regards to the offensive line, but uh, solid pick by the Rams, I think. Uh, next up was in the fourth round, number 142, Decoby Durant, cornerback out of South Carolina State. This is a guy that had two interceptions against Clemson. 12 career interceptions, very fast, good ball skills. Uh, another guy that I really hadn't considered at this spot, there were a lot of other higher profile cornerbacks on the board, but the Rams clearly Love this guy, the MIAC Defensive Player of the Year, by the way. How'd you feel about that pick, Tom? Yeah, uh, 
you know, a couple of things stand out, obviously his size and uh, is the biggest concern. And that's why he wasn't rated as high as uh, some of those other cornerbacks. But, you know, another guy who, uh, as we had mentioned, I think before the Rams love guys that played quarterback and he was a quarterback in high school. Um, but what's interesting about this guy, he didn't have any scholarship offers. He was a zero star recruit out of high school and he also didn't qualify academically, so he couldn't go anywhere. Um, so a little bit of a red flag there and something that's um, a little maybe unusual for the Rams. Uh, he played in the East West Shine Bowl, which is where he stood out along with, um, as did Brust, by the way, and a few of these other guys. Uh, so they like their all-star game guys. He's really athletic. He can play the man of the zone. Um, as you mentioned, a couple of interceptions against Clemson. Uh, he also gave up a touchdown in that game, however. Um, the But, you know, he's undersized, could get out physical, but uh, but they like him as a, uh, again, as in the man, um, primarily in the, I'm sorry, primarily in the zone coverage as a sort of a nickelback. I'm sure you have an opinion on this guy, Paul. How do you feel about Jacoby Durant joining the Rams here? Well, first thing, shout out to HBCU. You know, we, we did the mock. I had one from HBCU, so uh, Rams were thinking. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, which is great. So, you know, it's interesting. When you watch his tape, there's one word, active. Kids all over the place. And if you watch the presser after uh, the draft, there was a couple of things that um, McVeigh said over and over and over again. He talked about interceptions. And when we did our podcast, if you remember uh, a month or so ago, that was what we said. We said, our, you know, the secondary has to produce uh, more of those turnovers, those interceptions. And I think if you look at the Rams draft, when they looked at these corners, all their cornerbacks have the tendency to turn the ball over, right? They can get those INTs. And that was like the constant theme I noticed in all these picks. So I think that was one of the reasons that he sort of stood out. Because I agree with you, that, you know, Tariq Woolen was still on the board. Zion McCollum was still on the board when they picked Jacoby, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, me personally, I definitely would have taken uh, Tariq Woolen, but I think they put production over potential in this one, and Jacoby did have uh, a great deal of production. Uh, his tackling needs to get cleaned up, but he's in, it's not that he's shy about tackling. He throws his body around. It's just the technique. Everything there was, you know, was very, very positive, uh, but it also speaks to, you know, if you look at his size, you know, maybe they are uh, sort of, you know, putting him in that, you know, that slot spot, right, to cover the slot. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, yeah. where you guys see him lining up. So great pick, I mean, in terms of um, ability-wise, he definitely looks like a player, uh, definitely has a knack uh, for that big play. And, you know, like I said, he's active. His tape, he's active. He's everywhere. He's all over the field. Yeah, and, and Tom, you and I have talked several times about this at, there's going to be multiple cornerbacks taken in this draft by the Rams. It just, it just had to play out that way. So this wasn't a surprise position wise to me. Right. Next and we got up. Our, sorry. And we got our Kobe also, right? We didn't get right, Kobe right. Bryant, but we got Kobe, uh, Kobe Durant instead. So we right. got it. We got our Kobe. It's got a basketball flavor to his name for sure. First and last. <laughs> Right. So in the fifth round, number 165 overall, this is a, uh, they traded up to grab this pick from the Bucks, or was it the Raiders? Is this the trade with the Bucks or the Raiders? I don't recall, but regardless, they move up to 165 and draft Kyron Williams, a running back out of Notre Dame. Now, another guy I wasn't real familiar with, but I started reading about him 
And if you told me what did the what did the Rams need at running back? They need a guy that can pass block. They need a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, and they can they need a guy that can get yards in short yarded situations. I think that last thing, the short yardage back, was the thing they were lacking the most. And then you describe Kyron Williams, and he fits it to a T from what I can see. So uh, I really love this pick. How do you how do you did you like this pick, Paul? Uh, I know. Uh, was this guy was Kyron on your um, board at all for the Rams at this point? Yeah, so Kyron Williams was definitely on the board. Uh, he's definitely a, a solid pick. This, you know, when you go to your questions, which pick confused you the most? Uh, this is the pick that confused me the most. Uh, not so much about him, but um, sort of like you know what exactly were they you know focusing on when they when they selected him? So is he someone that they're looking to replace Hendo for next year, right? Because of his all around game, which makes a lot of sense, um, which is great. One thing that uh, I did like about him as a player was that you know uh, high marks for the intangibles. You know he was a captain. Played also played well on special teams. You know he basically did it all. A compact build like you have written there runs well between the tackles, um, and he's also a huge uh, Stephen Jackson fan, right? So that was there right. were all these photos after he got selected of him uh, and when he was in growing up in St. Louis. That he was a big Stephen Jackson fan, so perfect for the Rams. The you know the only issue I have with the pick is you know we're focusing on running it back and everything else. So two things. Uh, a player that you're trying to uh, utilize him for, which is either change of pace out of the backfield. He's also a great pass blocker, that type of thing. Are those backs so hard to find that you have to take him now for next year? Or and is trade that, up for him too. Yeah, to trade up for him. So you're treating it like almost like it's an urgent pressing need and you still don't have, and you had Sony Michelle, right, who couldn't even find the field, right? You couldn't, you couldn't even get a snap in the Super Bowl. So – uh, it was sort of interesting because who was the leading rusher for the Rams last year? Sony Michelle, who was their best pass blocker, Sony Michelle, and he couldn't get on the field. So I'm just sort of curious, like how they're going to get him on the field. You know, you still got Jake Funk that they said they were going to use in a very versatile way. He got hurt. Um, so it's sort of puzzling to me. So to the only way I can sort of analyze this is that they're preparing for next year, but then brings up the question, who is, you know, your third back for this year? Is it going to be right. this kid? So I don't yeah, know if it necessarily. Yeah, I don't know if it necessarily answered the question. He does have fumbling issues. Um, that was like a big knock against him. Um, but I think overall, from the intangible standpoint, it's a good fit. It's a it's a good solid pick. I just don't know if if that's the pick we should have had in the fifth round with some of the players that were on there. You know, one of my favorite players, uh, Kingsley Anigbari, was on there. That edge rusher that I absolutely he went to Green Bay. Um, but he was still on the board, and I think that would have been a great fit. He for really him. slid right from where he was originally. Yeah, yeah, and he would have fit well with the Rams. He would have been uh, a nice slot in. But you know, no knock against the kid. Um, I think he's going to be a, a solid fit and a great producer for the Rams. Yeah. So I have a when I watched the guy's film and and read his profile, a guy that a comp from a different position jumped off the page at me, and it's Cooper Cup. And the reason is that, like Cup, Williams is, you know, didn't, doesn't test well. He's slow, is, is, you know, just like Cup was slow, right? Even came on a, or jumped on a recent uh, 
Zoom meeting and started joking about his his uh, combine, yeah, his speed and this and that. Um, but I think what the Rams are doing to stay ahead of the game in the draft and and in the NFL in general is that they're drafting players that know how to play football. And in that, what I mean by that, in in more specifically, is they have a very um, tight range. Uh, intelligence and instincts and like cup in his, in his uh, route running, which is really what sets him apart and his yards after catch with his, you know, very sort of uh, what looks to some, sometimes to be very, you know, obvious jukes and things like that. Um, but he's big enough to scoot out of them. You know, this, that's what this guy reminds me of. He, he's in, in the, in and around, uh, contact in and around defenders. He's extremely instinctive and and elusive, and that and I think they really like that. He bounces off tackles like Cup does, um, and then he's of course a great uh, uh, blocker. Uh, he's a good receiver out of the uh, out of uh, the backfield. He played slot in high school, natural receiver. Um, so uh, you know he doesn't have that push the pile power that Sony Michelle did, for example. But the reason he's good in short yardage is because he, he can slither through tackles and and bounce off people. But he's not going to move, you know, carry two guys uh, that are hanging on him forward for two or three more yards. So yeah, I really speaking, like the pick. Yeah. Speaking of, of uh, athleticism, I stumbled across an article this morning. Uh, some uh, analyst does a study of uh, rating each draft pick by athleticism. I won't get into the details of it. It's pretty pretty boring, but I think it's valid. I think the valid, the approach is valid and the Rams draft class came in last as far as athleticism. Oh, you so, the RAS. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I don't necessarily, uh, like you say, Tom, uh, they're, they're not drafting for athleticism. They're drafting on, on other variables, I think. Yep. It's not, uh, yeah, this is not, it's all about their performance, their productivity. There's a theme here. And um, I love to, you know, I really understand what their strategy is, their system is um, when they're looking at uh, at team build, which we've talked a lot about, but also as it as it relates to how they're hitting on these draft picks. And while other uh, teams tend to go for that athletic or put a premium on that athleticism and upside, the Rams put a premium on he can contribute very soon in at least an average way. Uh, and then um, not necessarily trying to hit that home run. Yeah, and that was a, a theme that I heard a couple of times leading up to the draft. Uh, I think I heard it from Snead and McVeigh about drafting players they have a vision for. Uh, every player they're, they're drafting, they have a, a very specific role and vision for them, and um, maybe athleticism isn't a part of that as much as you would, you would normally think. So next up, uh, Carnell Lake's son, Quentin Lake, safety out of UCLA, sixth round, number 211 overall. And uh, this is hitting on that theme we talked about recently, drafting guys from a football family. And Quentin Lake certainly comes from a football family. Carnell Lake, uh, a highly uh, regarded defensive back for the Steelers. Uh, So he comes in at 6'1", 201. Versatile safety, great instincts. Um, so, Tom, uh, Paul, I'll let you go first on, on this one. How do you feel about Quentin? Like, how do you feel about this pick? I, I, I had mentioned we had discussed last week that 
They have some safeties that are going to be free agents next year, but they're pretty sound at that position for this year. But so maybe this is a pick looking, looking ahead to next year. Yeah. You can never have too many safeties based on their scheme. Right. And that it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I love, I also love the NFL family connection and the Rams have two because yeast, his dad also played uh, Craig East uh, SEC player as well. So, um, yeah, this is a solid pick. Um, there were some other safeties that were on the board, but for what the Rams do, he's interchangeable uh, in terms of their safety positions. I think that's one thing they always rate uh, very highly. He did have good, uh, good production with the INTs. Once again, the same theme that they had mentioned at their presser. So I think that makes sense. So the versatility, the athleticism, and the production, I think, um, really stood out for them. But once again – when, you know, like sort of like what you two were discussing, not going for that high profile player, but that that fundamentally sound player, that player that you put them on the field. They may not stand out in any way, but they're also not getting beat in any way either. So they're producing their solid production. They're steady, you know, steady. You know, I always say slow and steady wins the race. Well, these are the kind of guys. Uh, not that he's slow, but he is very athletic. Um, the one knock against him was that he wasn't, you know, great in the box, wasn't overly physical, but. You know, is that how the Rams are going to utilize him? Probably not. But um, great player. If you watch his tape, you know, once again, very fundamentally sound, always in the right place. Coach's favorite. Uh, also played on special teams. So there you go. That's probably where he's going to start out early on. Very similar. You know who this pick reminds me of? Nick Scott. That's who this pick reminds me of. And Scott was taken in the sixth or seventh round, seventh wasn't he? Sixth round. Yeah. Sixth round? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. He reminds me more of Jordan Fuller, but um, he's, uh, uh, you know, uh, but those are both good comps, right? Six late, late round guys. Um, he's, uh, interestingly, he, there, there's another theme I'm seeing here is um, not only that, you know, he was, he played in the East-West Shrine Bowl, like a couple of the other guys that they, that they drafted previously. We always talk about senior bowl players, but it's really any postseason all-star game. Uh, redshirt senior, uh, a lot of experience uh, comes from uh, one of the top football high schools in um, Southern California, modern day, and produced so many great players. And um, the the thing with him is also uh, another similarity with some other players that, that defensive backs that they drafted. He um, uh, was a wide receiver, right? He has that. He, he plays football like a wide receiver. So uh, they like they do want to go after guys that are more intent on not just knocking balls down but that are going for interceptions and and playing the ball uh when they're targeted so it's interesting he is a little injury prone and like you mentioned could improve his tackling but um great pick in the sixth round uh at pick 211. okay let's move on who do we got next we got uh darion kendrick another cornerback out of georgia and uh, this is a two-time national champion. He had issues at Clemson, uh, was dismissed from the team, jumped onto the Georgia team. Uh, so he's got tons of big game experience. Now, I don't know if the incident that he was dismissed for had a little trouble with the law. Uh, I, I don't know how much of a red flag it is because I guess it was, I don't know if the right word is dismissed, but um, so I don't. I don't know how to characterize that. I don't have enough information, so I don't want to start guessing, but uh, Tom, you want to take the lead on this one. How do you feel about Darion Kendrick? 
yeah, just to clarify, he was um, he he did go to he was convicted of those, and he uh, he did a uh, kind of a, a post trial um, work that got it expunged. Oh, but, okay, um, that's the correct. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, why so, I didn't want to talk too much about it because I knew I was yeah, going to get part of it wrong. It, it will, but um, so uh, but yeah, so uh, a couple of things about Darion Kendrick again, um, you know, was a, a wide receiver uh, drafted as a. He was Gatorade Player of the Year in South Carolina, coming out of uh, South Point High School, which you know produced guys like Davian Clowney and Stephon Gilmore. Um, I also played quarterback in high school. Just one of those freak athletes uh, that was highly, highly recruited. Uh, went to Clemson, played wide receiver, had the issues we just talked about. Uh, transferred to Georgia, and they uh, uh, and they converted him into a cornerback. Um, obviously, won the national championship. And uh, uh, so one of the things is, you know, how do guys bounce back from that kind of adversity and mistakes and things? And I saw a quote by Kirby Smart that said, there's not a player on our team that prepares harder than he does. So he was uh, he was obviously um, went into Georgia with a great attitude, turned turned things around, led the team in interceptions. And, um, you know, he's a little grabby. He gets a lot of pass interference calls, um, very physical, but uh, a little obvious about it. So. Um, that's, uh, that's his, probably his biggest weakness, but great upside. And, um, that's one of my favorite picks of the draft. Yeah. So, yeah, he's an interesting pick. And I think he and Kobe Durant with the, with some of the difficulties that they had, um, really is very unique for the Rams because they tend to stay away from those types of scenarios for this right. particular draft. They did not. So I think that's really interesting. Um, uh, but you know, I think, uh, the young man, all the, you know, did he did his work? Did what he was supposed to do? He did uh, complete uh, the post trial program, um, and then did get it expunged from his record. Have, you know everything else aside, just looking at him as a football player. Um, you know when you watch him and the way everybody describes him, as long as the game is in front of him, as long as he keeps the game in front of him, he does really really well, right? And if you look at the Rams scheme, that's exactly what they want: keep the ball in front of you, make those plays. He's got, you know, he's great with the interceptions. He's got really soft hands. He's great attacking the ball. He attacks the ball like a wide receiver, basically. Um, he had two interceptions versus Michigan in the national semifinal game, which I think is which is great. And what's also unique about a couple of the ramp picks, there's about three players uh, in this draft that have kick return experience, right? Williams, uh, uh, I think Durant, as well as uh, Kendrick. or And Yeast also, I think, might have it as well. So that's four. So... So there's another bonus, right? So a special team entry point for him as well. Um, but where, what I really liked about him was definitely grabby, but was his aggressiveness. No matter what happened the play before, if he did get beat, he came right back. There was no, you know, there was no light hiding in the shadows. He was right there. Said no fear. You know, this kid also played on two national champions. For every year that he was, you know, playing football, he was in the playoffs. Right. So that's four years of playoff experience. So this kid is battle tested and that's what the Rams like. They want to be able to plug and play. If there's any kid that's able to plug and play, this would be it. The Rams also, I think, have enough capital in that locker room with Aaron Donald, right? Bobby Wagner, Teron Matthew, Jalen Ramsey to help to keep this kid's head on right and help him move past whatever it is that happened. He's got a great opportunity build a life for himself, right? A career in the NFL, you know, change the trajectory for his entire family for the rest of their lives. 
So it's a great opportunity. I'm glad the Rams give him this opportunity. Hopefully, um, you know, from the mentoring aspect, everything in play for the Rams in that locker room, they'll help him to succeed. I think this was a, a really nice pick. Do you think uh, his issues affected his draft position if it had not oh, been for that? Do you think absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The one criticism that which is valid, because if you watch his tape, it shows up all the time, is that when he was threatened with, dreeps, uh, with deep speed and he had to turn and run, he got beat very, very consistently. Uh, but I did have a, a colleague who's also a, a big fan of Georgia who did talk to me about him. Uh, he's a football coach, and he said that was all technique. That's all technique. You know, um, he has to understand that he can't just, you know, at the last second, flip his hips and run with these guys. He's got to, you know, he's got to respect the cushion. So um, I think that was a valid point as well, because when you watch the tape, he gave up his cushion uh, a lot, um, very frequently. So I think he's got a great, uh, great potential. Whenever the ball was in front of him, this kid was on it. Um, I think it's a it's a smart pick. It fits the scheme. And I think uh, hopefully this will end up being a, a really good uh Feel good story in a couple yeah, of years. And, um, and you're right. I'm not sure who mentioned it, but that Rams locker room, the culture they have there, um, it, it should be the perfect place for a guy like this. With uh, You look around that locker room, even look around the defensive backfield. Some of the guys back there, Jordan Fuller, that can help guide him. Nick Scott, who's a team leader as well, I think. Take him under his wing. Uh, that'll be a good thing. Seventh round, the edge player out of Daniel Hardy, Montana State, 6'3", 239. Now, I've seen different reports on his weight. I've seen him listed in the 220s, and I've seen him listed at 240. So who knows what his true weight is. Um, but he's certainly productive at Montana State. How do you feel? You want to take the lead on this one, Tom? How do you feel about Daniel Hardy? Yeah, I mean, it's great that they took an edge. Um, I think they were really looking for, uh, you know, upside here that um, somebody that could, that, that had that athleticism that they could, uh, that had productivity as well, and that they could mold uh, as a work in progress. Um, he was, uh, you know, he was really able to just uh, really beat up the competition, which was, you know, considerably inferior to many other programs. And as we just talked about with, uh, with um, Kendrick, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> it's tough to get a real handle on what he can do. Uh, however, when these guys from smaller schools are, uh, do come out, they better be super productive. And this guy is. So, um, you know, everybody they put up in front of him, he, he dominated. Um, he has to improve his technique a lot. Uh, probably um, the coaching staff really just likes his, uh, his, upside here and um, they want to work with him. But I think this pick is as indicative as any and overall with their lack of edge selections is indicative of what they intend to do. Uh, I think in the free agent market, either pre uh, you know, during camp uh, pre camp um, in other words, going into the season or potentially like they have done in the past uh, target a high end edge you know, mid season on a team that is uh, out of the running. So um, that, that, that's what this pick told me more than anything. It's we're going to get somebody else. We're going to get another veteran at edge. They're not going into the season with this edge group. How about you, Paul? Was this guy on your radar? 
Uh, no, I don't. I don't think my radar went that deep. So, <laughs> you know, it was interesting too because I think uh, the next three players are were non-combine players, and that was something that Les Snead brought up, right? That they went non-combine. I think in the last round. So uh, he spoke about how much work that requires from the scouts to do that. You know, the rationale for that he didn't really get into, but um, in terms of you know this young man, um, you know, good scouting report on him. You know, great skills, uh, good production. Uh, they said room to grow. So, you know, to, to put on a couple more pounds once he you know gets into the NFL weight program and then a lot of that good NFL eating, right, gets to eat good food again. Um, but, you know, this pick, you know, although great for depth, you know, goes back to, you know, when we look at the draft um, and how it played out, there were developmental pass rushers available that we had talked about in our mock, you know, guys like Dominique Robinson was available. They passed on him. You, I, I had mentioned Kingsley Annenberg. They passed on him. Uh, Jeffrey Gunter, they passed on him. So it's sort of like, like I said, this is like a tough draft to read because you can't really figure out what were they trying to accomplish. I think they did accomplish what they set out to do. Um, by their own reactions at the press conference. However, uh, I don't have a clue what they were trying to do because it does seem to be um, unique. This one draft was a very non-RAM draft for me in terms of what the expectations were and how they normally uh, conduct drafts. But great pick. Uh, I like his burst off the edge. Uh, there's not a lot of tape on him, but what you do find, you do see that. Reminds me a lot of Chris Garrett, too, in terms of the developmental aspect of it. Uh, but I, I, you know, I like what you see on film. The, the kid, kid plays hard, good motor. Um, so I think it'll be a good developmental pick. Listen, depth at edge is never a bad thing. Bring them on, fill up that room, let them fight it out, let them duke it out. Yeah, they do need bodies there. That's for sure. Absolutely. With not only Von Miller, don't overlook uh, as both of you have mentioned losing uh, Okoronko. Uh, he was a real contributor there too, and both those guys are have moved on as we'll look at in a little bit here. They brought in three edges, uh, three of the nine, 10 guys that they brought in um, for them. Uh, UDFAs are edges as well. So they're definitely stacking that room. Let's see. Who do we got? Russ yeast, the defensive back out of Kansas state, number two fifty three overall uh, good speed and a good tackler. Uh, I thought maybe reading about this guy who's an obvious special teamer uh, first year with the Rams, I would think. Um, how do you feel about this pick? Uh, Paul, you were saying his he had a, he comes from a football family as well? Yeah, his, his dad, Craig Yeast, was, I think, a wide receiver for Kentucky. I, actually, I'm pretty sure he was a wide receiver for Kentucky. He left Kentucky. He was, used to be the all-time leading receiver for Kentucky. I uh, played in the NFL for a couple of years. I think he was drafted by Cincinnati. Um, so when I saw the name, I was like, oh, wow, interesting. Um, Didn't he set the SEC receiving record? Y- yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think he was like, he was pretty significant when he played. Yeah, yeah. not just not just Kentucky. He was a, he he set an SEC receiving record. Yeah. So he was a pretty prolific receiver when he was there. So this kid has the, he has the DNA to play football. There's no question about it. Um, but what's unique, and I didn't mention this about Kendrick. When I watch Kendrick play, and I think a lot of the Ram DBs are this in this mold, he looks like he, if he was not a cornerback, you could put that kid at safety, no question about it, and he would succeed at safety, right? Play, keeps the ball in front of him, that type of thing. Uh, 
uh, Rushy started out a corner. I think he played a little bit of safety. He played both. So that versatility is a constant theme when the Rams pick defensive backs, and you see it with this kid as well. He started out corner. I think he got hurt, uh, had an injury, and then I took you know missed a I think half a season, but um, good production from what they have listed him. I di- I didn't have a lot on him, so when I had to go back and research it, a lot of really good things. Um, they had him listed as UDFA, right? Um, so. If the Rams a lot, you know, what, what did the Rams do? If they found a player that they liked. They said, why wait till later? We'll just take him now with our seventh round pick. But once again, the one thing that stood out with him plays the ball really well. He's able to turn those opportunities into turnovers, INTs. That's the one stat that jumps out when you look at him. And if you look at it there in 2021, four INTs, that's the thing the Rams are looking for. They want to be able to turn that ball over when they have that opportunity, get it back to their offense. And that's where they're bringing in. Uh, also, a very good co- uh, contributor on special teams. Yeah, this guy was a, a, a stud player of the year uh, in his state, and uh, I believe Indiana. He also played some in Ohio, but um, the uh, you know kind of that four star recruit uh, again going into Louisville and then transferring. Uh, his dad was not only a standout receiver, but he was also a head football coach in college um, in Kentucky as well. Uh, so again, that that coaching pedigree. Um, family put coaching pedigree. He's, uh, he's, he's, a he's also really willing tackler. Um, but he has a tendency to get knocked off of blocks, um, pretty easily. So again, that's probably a technique thing. Um, but he did lead the big 12 in passes defended last year. And, um, that's a, you know, a huge deal as well at the safety position. Our safeties have been generally very good, uh, and the tackling game and staying in, you know, uh, in front of people and not, and not allowing those big plays, but there's a clear, uh, a clear thrust to improve our pass defense at that position going into this season. And, uh, and this guy certainly fits the bill. And one thing that at the presser that McVeigh, I think it was McVeigh that uh, brought it up is that they want their safety slash D backs, right. To be able to jump down on the slot whenever they need to, right? To whoever, when anybody jumps out wide. So I think that's important. I think they're looking to sort of extend their defensive capability in that regard and do a better job of defending the slot. The Rams were last uh, defending the pass in terms of a completion percentage, um, passes within the hash marks. They were dead last in the NFL. So I think that's specifically what they're targeting this time around moving forward. uh, It goes back to the drafting players that they have a vision for as they – said repeatedly i think yeah absolutely very very purposeful in terms of what they're targeting and seventh round number 261 aj Curry, michigan state six seven three twenty so this guy has the frame of a nfl offensive tackle for sure and i think he has experience playing left and right tackle so i see this uh you talk about having a vision for a guy uh, a swing tackle that can back up uh, our two starters, basically. That's how I see this. Uh, high character, very intelligent, plays with a nasty streak. Uh, Tom, you want to take the lead on this? How would you feel about this draft pick? Yeah, obviously, second to last pick in the draft. Um, just somebody that they feel like they can, uh, who's smart, who's a willing learner. He's a, a academic, all Big Ten, five times. Um, just obviously a smart guy who uh, has that experience and just somebody they can develop behind uh, Noteboom and Havenstein and, and even, uh, 
you know, some of the other tackles in that room, um, AJ Jackson and the like. So, you know, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of work to do. Obviously, uh, you know, second to last pick in the draft. He's not a standout. Uh, he wasn't a standout uh, recruit uh, for the NFL. But uh, again, somebody that they feel like is super smart and can absorb and learn and um, and contribute on uh, the line and special teams. Yeah, any academic All-American, I always make room for them on my board. So, yeah, multi-year starter, uh, multi-year academic All-American, uh, got incredibly high grades from all his coaches. Uh, every comment about him is a superlative. Um, they love his physicality. Um, the one, obviously, is footwork, 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 uh, to be able to mirror the pass rushes and the speed of the NFL. That's the big thing. Uh, they pencil him in best position as right tackle. Um but, you know, that was his thing. He he was really geared up to be a swing tackle. So um, big, powerful dude who's at, whose hand fighting stands out. That's the descript on him. That pretty much says it all. Uh, but once again, a developmental project. And, you know, the Rams coaches do a great job. You know what they do? They turn potential into football players. That's what they do. And that's the bottom line. They want the guys to come in with the work ethic, with the character, and with the resiliency and that focus, and they will do the rest. And that football IQ, I think something in the NFL that gets overlooked all the time. That football IQ aspect of it sometimes, in my opinion, probably more than not, that's what tips the scales in terms of like a positive outcome, in my opinion. And I think this kid just fits the bill for that type. If you want to have a project, this is the kid that you want to have to be your project. And, and I think that another thing that's going to help him, I don't know if you guys noticed in the Rams draft room, uh, Andrew Whitworth was in Vegas yeah. on opening night, Thursday night, right? And then on Friday night, he was in the Rams draft room. So I think he's going to be sticking around and helping guys like AJ or Curry get adjusted to the NFL. Uh, at Whitworth, I think he'd be – he already is an incredible coach. I think even as a player, he was a coach. Uh, I think I told you about the time I went to the training camp in Irvine and he was out there after practice had broken up, helping various offensive linemen with technique and dropping into their stance and all that stuff. So uh, Andrew Whitworth is going to have, I think would be playing a role in the development of AJ or Curry. At least I hope so. And I think he's uh, already um, signed up with the Rams. I think he's going to be back this season as a consultant with them. Oh, is he? Okay, so yeah. that's more or less official then. Okay. And I, I think like you and I spoke about it at the podcast. I'm a big advocate. I was like, why is like Jackie Slater not a coach for the Rams? Yeah, how is that right. not possible, right? right. Got to bring back some of these guys in Marshall Falk. How is he not an RB coach for the Rams? And here's a list of the undrafted free agents. This may have already changed. These are the guys I knew about. Um Probably a good time just to ask this question. Is there anybody on this list that you guys think has a shot? And I'll go first. And I haven't done a lot of research on any of these guys, but the one position the Rams ignored uh, that has me a little bit worried is uh, the defensive line, the big boys, and Elijah Garcia, the defensive tackle, a lot of rice. Uh, just because, I mean, the number of snaps Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines were taking late in the year. Um, and Sebastian Joseph Day is not coming back. Uh, they have Ashawn Robinson and Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines and a couple of other guys. So I would think Elijah Garcia would have a shot, just, just a numbers game for him, right? Um, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, anybody on this list, Tom, that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I, would th I think the kicker uh, is, you know, he was the only 
really one on any kind of a of a UDFA list that was out. Um, and uh, you know, I, I will say that I don't think the Rams <clears throat> did nearly as well as many other teams in UDFAs this year. Um, uh, there's uh, the guys. There were some really premium. Uh, players out there, given how deep this draft was, uh, a lot of people attribute that to the the fact that there was a lot of COVID carryovers and whatnot with that extra uh, redshirt year they gave them. But it's uh, it's yeah, I, I don't. So I'm not terribly impressed with this list. Um, first of all, I think, but the guys that might have a chance, uh, the two that jump out are Cameron uh, Dicker, the kicker from uh, Texas. And it was, the, I think, the rated the number three kicker. Uh, and um, the Iowa State linebacker, Jake Hommel, uh, was also uh, talked about in the draft. And um, so, you know, but other than that, it's really more of a, of a, of a focus on what positions did they reinforce uh, right. and um, so forth. But those are the guys that I'm looking at. Now, Dicker can punt as well, right? Yeah, so yeah, so that's like the new trend in the NFL, right? He's finding punters that could also handle the deep kicking duty so that your field goal kicker doesn't have to deal with kickoffs, right? And to really extend uh, you know, I guess uh the lifetime efficiency of these kickers, these field goal kickers, which are real weapons now, because it's not uncommon for field goal kickers, we saw it already, you take attempts up to sixty yards. So uh we saw with Matt Gay, you know, the wear and tear of a seventeen game season on a kicker doing, you know, handling kickoffs as well as long field goals is extensive. So we see this new trend on these kickers that can handle punting duties, uh, long field goal kickoff duties. So I think that's what they're looking at with this young man. He gets high marks for that. Um, really positive stuff uh, coming out of a Texas U uh, on this young man. So that's really good to see. Interesting thing about Georgia State fullback Roger Carter. He was one of the pre-draft interviews Um and they were specifically targeting him for some reason. So he H-back, tight end type. They have him listed as a fullback. He's about 6'2", 250. Really good physical blocker. I mean, limited in that realm. So that could be a very purposeful pick. I could see that also on special teams paying off. Uh, so that might be someone to keep an eye on. Um, when I took a look at the Daniel, um, I hope I'm saying his name cor uh, correctly, Isom. Um, he was a very interesting, he was a, he was a corner. They, they wanted to find a spot for him and it, they had an opening because of injuries. They put him in at strong safety. Um, interesting kid, you know, uh, he likes to mix it up. Um, they have him listed as limited athletically. I don't know necessarily what that means. The guy's playing football at the NCAA level, but he's an interesting one too. I, you know, I like, I like his Moxie, uh, 5'10", 180. Once again, that versatility, you know, not a cornerback, not a safety, but a defensive back, that type of mindset. I like that. So he might be one to keep an eye on. But I agree in terms of the UDFA list. There were so many players that were out there. Mario Goodrich, Verone McKinley, Josh Joby was out there. Jojo Doman, uh, Kellen Deesh was out there. Dari Rosenthal, who played uh, offensive tackle at Kentucky. I thought for sure when he didn't get drafted, I thought they would snatch him up. I was like, you know, Liam Cohen would be all over that. But in the Rams must have their reasons. Smoke Monday wasn't picked. Uh, Christopher Allen wasn't picked. We have a coach from T uh, TCU, Obina Easy, the offensive tackle. He wasn't picked. And that kid that I had mentioned at our at our roundtable, Marquise Bell, the player from Florida A&M. Now, we took all two right. players. 
Yeah, right. we took two players that had a little bit of a you know background history. He's he was one of the players that I had mentioned because we have a Florida A and M coach, big safety with talent. He wasn't picked. Now keep in mind, you know, a lot of these guys that we didn't sign, they may have not. They may not have saw the Rams as the best opportunity for them and, and cho- chose to go elsewhere on their own. Uh, and and I think if there are free agent cornerbacks out there, DBs, and they see the Rams drafting four DBs, they may like, hey, you know, I'm not, I don't want to go to the Rams. I have a better shot with the Bears or the Bucks or whoever. Uh, so uh, we we don't have insight into that. It'd be it'd be nice to know how many of those guys the Rams tried to sign, and they said uh, no thanks. I think what's going to happen also the these NFL camps are going to, it's going to be really fun to watch uh, moving forward because there you have all these players now that are going to be out there and available. The camp competition is going to be really really interesting. They're going to be there's going to be uh, a lot of veterans that are very nervous about all these rookies being out there that are hungry for a spot. So they're yeah. going to be some very interesting June cuts. Yeah, and one note on Roger Carter, uh, I saw him listed. I pulled this from a site that had him listed as a fullback, and then most of the analysis I saw, um, as you mentioned, addressed him as if he were a tight end. H back, so right? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure what the Rams' vision for him is, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. So yeah, just looking at they they also stacked up. So I'm not sure. Yes, I saw a little different list. I'm not sure if it was uh, than we have here, but um, I know it's a it's a uh, fluid process, but. Uh, two safeties and two cornerbacks. Uh, another two safeties and another two cornerbacks. Oh wow! Added to this, added to our team, um, along with three edges. So it's a pretty common theme where they're looking at, and that that defensive, those DBs were clearly the focal point of this draft. Um, and then yeah. you know, one uh, kicker, linebacker, running back, a guard, and a defensive tackle. So uh, yeah, it kind of tells the tale of what they're, where they think their need is. Competition breeds greatness. That's what you want. Fill up those rooms. So we already took a look at this earlier. Let's take another look at it. Since we've gone through all these players, they've added five DBs. That's including the trade for Troy Hill. And the reason I threw up there another trade coming, uh, my special assistant, Matt, and I were discussing. First thing that he said was, is Taylor Rapp getting traded? What the heck's going on? And what does this mean for a potential signing of Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew? How, how do you guys do? You, what, do you think there's more moves coming with regards to a current Ram getting traded or the Honey Badger coming on board? I know you love the Honey Badger, Paul. Yes, Tyron Matthew must come to the Rams. He's going to fit in. So, uh, depending on how you how you want to shape up that wallpaper, you got a fearsome foursome setup, regardless, right? You always interchangeable with Leonard Floyd. But um, yeah, I think I think he would fit in perfectly uh, with what the Rams want to do. You know, I think the Rams are going to keep all we saw that, um, you know, even before the draft, the Rams are going to keep all their options open. Right. They know that they have a real advantage over a lot of other teams, that this is the hot spot to be. Uh, the lure of you know Los Angeles is incredible to begin with. But just, you know, the success and the culture, which now everyone is talking about which is very player friendly, I think is, you know, a really, really attractive to potential uh, free agents as well as players. Did you uh, see- I know Tom was really big on um, the corner from the Giants, right, which I agree would be a great fit. So there are a lot of options out there. I think they're going to do – I think the Matthew deal is going to get done fairly quickly. 
And then I think they're really going to focus on, you know, waiting and get bringing in these vets to fill very specific roles once they map out exactly the, their preliminary depth chart. And I think and, they're going to – go ahead. Did you guys see Jalen Ramsey's tweets uh, yeah. <laughs> yesterday? I know uh, – so I was confused if he was – he was clearly um, – suggesting a big move was coming. And then the Troy Hill trade happened. And then yeah. he tweeted again uh, and specifically called out um, the Honey Badger coming on board. So not the sure Honey Badger much. era, yes. Right, right. But you know what's, what's interesting? Not too many, um, you know, when the Troy Hill deal happened, it, you know, it got, you know, got about 30 seconds of airplay. That's a deal that's getting overlooked. That's oh, going to yeah. have season-long ramifications for the Rams. Right. I, the Rams pulled out a really nice deal. And if the money is right, and Tom, you can confirm that, is that correct that they're only on the hook for something like 1.25? Yeah, 1.75 or something like that, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, it's a great deal, and then they gave up a, a, a fifth rounder. It's not only a fifth rounder, but it's a comp pick. Um, that, right. So we guaranteed to be at the end of the fifth round. <laughs> not that the Rams a, fifth a, round. A comp Regular, pick that we, a comp pick that we haven't received yet? Yeah, there. It won't be the thirty-second pick in the fifth round. It'll be a uh, a comp pick. Uh, well, we have four. The Rams have four comp picks um, on the uh, on the books that it looks like they'll be getting um, five, and then they had one eliminated with the Allen Robinson trade. But anyway, that the less uh, Sneed had made the comment that it'll be a comp, one of those comp picks. But in terms of Honey Badger, I'm a I'm a, a big believer that he's coming as well. Uh, it'll be a team-friendly deal. It'll be, you know, sort of a probably something similar to a um, little pro shy of uh, what Bobby Wagner did, but you know, in the same sort of a vein, you know, kind of a series of one-year deals, um, essentially, is what it amounts to. And um, you know, I just think he's uh, he wants to play with with uh, guys like Jalen Ramsey, and Jalen Ramsey obviously wants to play with him, and um, so yeah, it's. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was very clearly, very, very frustrated with our defensive backfield last year, particularly the safeties. I mean, he smacked rap. He was thrilled when Waddle came back, you know, a guy that's <laughs> retired and he, you know, became our best safety by a mile in the, in the playoffs. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. And then he tweeted out after the uh, trust pick, the uh the little question marky thing on uh twitter like really guys this is what you're doing so um yeah it was clearly a uh, a thrust of the of the team to yeah the one, one other thing that i'll i'll call out here as far as what they drafted and what they didn't draft uh and i already mentioned that the undrafted free agent defensive lineman might have a shot just because of the numbers games but maybe it's an all, also the first indication that they do like Bobby Brown. And I've mentioned a few times, I, I don't have any clue how they feel about Bobby Brown. He barely played, uh, which is kind of odd given the rotation that they had at the end of the year that Bobby Brown wasn't getting on the field. So maybe they do like Bobby Brown and, and not drafting a wide receiver. Is that an indication that OBJ might be coming back? But then on the other hand, you know, they gave away his number right to cam Akers, so um i don't know you guys you guys are reading reading the tea leaves here as much as i am or uh, am i making much ado out of nothing here so yeah i mean i think that go that go ahead go no no good oh no the um the 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 number thing was already in play and um it's not like they can just trade numbers 
uh, you know, anytime they want, they have to tell Nike well in advance what the numbers are. And as we've seen, there's some pretty hefty fines or, or payments that need to be made if they want to do number swaps after the fact. So that was already in the works and it would have been interesting to see what number OBG got last year if acres hadn't been hurt. Um, and, uh, and so acres probably would have retained that number. So I'm not reading too much into that. Uh, the, in terms of not drafting wide receivers, I mean, that, that room is absolutely full. Um, in addition to cup Atwell and Robinson, uh, I'm sorry, cup Jefferson and Robinson, there's Atwell, Harris, Gronick, uh, you could count, um, you got Koski, Akers, uh, there's, um, you know, Brandon Powell, if you count him, you know, that's just not a top need. And, uh, you know, I really feel like they feel like 2-2 Atwell is their draft pick from this draft that's going to go into contribute there because he obviously did, he got hurt at the beginning of the year. So I don't see it. Um, I don't see that as any reflection on uh, the lack of a draft pick of a wide receiver as any reflection on whether OBJ is coming back or not. Um, I think that's well, a, do you, a, do you a have, big do you mystery. Have a- you, you think, uh, I'm sorry, would you say it's still a mystery to you? I think it's a mystery to everybody, and uh, yeah. they're letting him. I think it's very clear that they're letting him uh, look at the market. Um, and the, uh, you know, if there's a couple of other guys too, you know, throw Dante Dion and um, even Sonny Michelle into this, uh, into this category that everybody's been focused on the Rams on this comp pick formula and how the Rams don't like to sign uh, free agents that had their contracts expired because it cost them a comp pick like Allen Robinson did. Um, that was their one, that was their one shot, but they gave up five. So they were only, you know, so they still have four, which is the max, right? But they, you know, they signed Bobby Wagner right away because one of the reasons was because he didn't cost them a comp pick. And the, uh, but on the flip side of that is that if, if their free agents get picked up, then they go into the comp pick formula as well. And while they think they have four, it's not guaranteed because, you know, because of the way the formula works and there's only 32 doled out, the top 32 are doled out across the league um, for each round. So anyway, the bottom line is this starting tomorrow, the comp pick formula is gone. Um, Any free agent can sign anywhere without the team that let them go getting a comp pick. So my point is, is that, is that they perhaps are also waiting to sign a guy like Dante Dion or a guy like Sonny Michelle or a guy like OBJ until after the until after the opportunity to get a comp pick by allowing somebody else to sign them is gone. So um, it's uh, it's and then the, the the flip side of that is they can sign Tyrone Matthew without giving up a comp pick. So uh, so Monday I think tomorrow there's going to be a lot of fireworks in the NFL. Let's just put it that way. And uh, this coming week is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, the dominoes will start to fall on Monday, and that's what happens. You know, one signing leads to another, and then so on, so on, so on. I think that's that's what's going to happen as well. I think you're going to see Teron Matthew go, and hopefully soon OBJ. Um, I think he will come back to the Rams, but you know, there are a lot of teams out there that are about you know one or two players away from really uh, being in like the top three of their conference. So. You know, we'll see how it plays out, but I do think he'll eventually come back to to the Rams. If there's one position that, um, and you know me, I talk about it all the time, that running back scenario 
And both Haskins and Robinson. Robinson went in the second. Haskins went in the fourth. They did not even make it close to the sixth or seventh round. And that's what happened. So I think the Rams, and, and Tom knows this because I am a Sony Michelle fan, is that, you know, it's puzzling at what's happening with Sony Michelle because he does fill, you know, multiple roles for them. And, you know, he's a two-time uh, Super Bowl winner, once with the Patriots, once with the Rams, runs wonderfully between the tackles. He's an absolute beast. Ball security, never an issue, and a great pass blocker. If there's one issue is, you know, receiver out of the backfield. So uh, it's puzzling to me. Um, also, the way he just worked and his cut into playing time after, I honestly think he was instrumental saving the Rams season, you know, providing that running game when they had none. So um, I'm just curious as why they're handling him the way that they are. Um, he's proven that he's a team player. He'll be he'll, he's okay with not getting his carries. He'll wait for his turn. And you know, against the uh, 49ers, the NFC uh, Championship game, he was the one that picked up that blitzing linebacker when um, when Stafford threw that dime to Cup uh, to seal the game. So I don't know. I think they need to. I don't think um, they address that power back scenario that they desperately need. Um, in the draft, so that to me, that's still a glaring hole. But to me, I also interpret it this way: I think they're going to bring back Sony. I really do. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think he's too good to overlook. Yeah, I have to admit, I've forgotten about him at times. He's just yeah. kind of sitting out there. It's not a matter of I don't think it's ever been a matter of them uh, wanting him back or not. It's been more of a matter of whether Sony want, wanted to look for a an opportunity elsewhere where he could get. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to be the third back in the room um, on day one. And uh, and so uh, by the fact that he wasn't signed anywhere in the offseason um, may uh, uh, may indicate that that he doesn't have that demand. Um, but I really do think that uh, people felt like, hey, we can wait till after the comp pick formula comes in. And um, but I do expect Sonny Michelle to get signed to get a, a good deal elsewhere where he can feel like he can be at least the second back in the room uh, and that that team will not have to give up a comp pick. Hey, so let's get to our final list of questions here. Um, I think Paul, you already answered this question. Uh, your favorite pick, your favorite pick by the Rams in this 2022 draft. Oh, Logan Russ. No question about it. That kid is a mauler. Uh, I just love the way he fits that line. Uh, Badger pride. So, um, I just think he's a great fit. I think I think he's he's a he's a solid solid pick that you know is going to be on this roster for multiple years. Uh, great contributor, fits in well with the locker room. Just absolutely seamless. He's going to fit in with the Rams. Absolutely seamless. I'm going to go with Durant, and I I just think he's a, I'd love his feistiness. I think that's a, a word to describe him, and I think it definitely fits a need. Uh, adding him to the cornerback room, I think uh, the more I read about him, uh, I think he's going to be a great fit. How about you, Tom? Who's your favorite? Well, I think um, I like uh, whoever they were going to pick to fill that guard spot, um, and Trust fits the bill. Uh, he was their first pick um, and uh, the only one that wasn't on the last day. So, uh, you know, so he's a solid pick for sure. But in terms of, uh, in terms of, of the rest of them, I think I had mentioned it's uh, it's Kendrick from Georgia. I just think this guy's a superstar. I think he uh, learned really learned his lesson in the uh, in the issues that he had at Clemson, and um, you know 
he got straightened out very quickly and he's a, a stud athlete that dropped all the way to 212 and at cornerback with all those skills that we love having the wide receiver background and everything else and uh i just i i really feel like that guy's going to be a huge contributor to us for the next four years as far as the most confusing pick um paul you already played your hand on that one as well yeah uh, so i'll let you have another run at it well there were a couple of them that were like i said um especially the later round picks um but also you know like the, you know i understand there are a lot of positives with that running back selection but you know, letting running back get, you know, to that point in the draft. Um, I don't know. I just I just thought they were going to walk away with with a, uh, a more power theme oriented running back. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure Williams is going to be a great running back. But for once again, focusing on running it back, you know, how does he fit now? I know they're possibly projecting for next year, but, you know, it would running back is one situation you can address directly through the draft. Rookie running backs play all the time. It's not an issue. So I just think that, um, like I said, just confusing to me why they went that route. Um, and also, uh, I love Kobe Durant, but there were a lot of other corners that were available. I think that one was a little bit uh, curious to me. Uh, lo- loves Moxie as well, but I did have some other cornerbacks that I thought, to me, were a little bit more attractive. Yeah, for me, Kobe Durant is the uh... – that's the most confusing. That was, one. that was my favorite pick, guys. I know. We're <laughs> this is where we're we're going to agree to disagree. Um, yeah, my uh, most confusing and least favorite pick, um, especially given where he was taken, and uh, I just not uh, not a believer. He's a second pick of the of the draft, second out of out of eight. I guess I should have um, went last so I could have flexed to another player. After well, that's okay. No, no, no. That's good. I'm glad we were able to 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 you know have some have some different opinions on this. We'll definitely uh, definitely be able to come back and look at this in a couple of years and say, ah, one of us is going to be right, one of us can be wrong. But yeah, I just don't feel like he's um, he's uh, the athlete that he uh, you know he appears to be. Um, in uh, playing against uh, inferior competition. Uh, he's, he's, you know, didn't qualify academically for a scholarship. He doesn't have that. Um, if that's any indication of his intelligence uh, in general, in terms of the ability to, to work in a very uh, uh, complex scheme back there in the zone um, and being able to read things. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Um, but Obviously, I'm hopeful I'm wrong. And uh, I think that one thing that was pretty obvious, just sort of watching this draft coverage and being able to plug into some of the other fan groups that were out there. Uh, and uh, uh, w- the Rams have the, <laughs> the most trust in their GM at this point and in their, uh, in their entire uh, staff that's making the selections of, of any team out there. There's uh, uh, maybe the Ravens are up there. Um, the Jets are have a lot of of, of <laughs> confidence in their new regime, but they always do until they get disappointed. But uh, uh, like the 49ers have not very much trust in um, in their regime, and uh, so it's just interesting to see. So yeah, I do trust these guys. That's the one pick I really question, Kobe Durant. I guess my most confusing pick, and again uh, for me, it's just a numbers game, not necessarily a criticism of the player and that would be yeast. And, and that's because 
at that point, we had already drafted two cornerbacks. We had already drafted a safety. And we're talking about bringing the honey badger on board, possibly. And then we draft another safety. So that part of it confused me. As I was watching the draft unfold and I was talking with my special assistant, and we weren't trying to guess players, right? We're trying to guess positions. And and I nailed it pretty well throughout most of the draft, uh, but I did not see another safety coming in the seventh round. So that's all I'm going to say about that. He could he could end up being a very, very good player. I don't yeah. know if you both agree. And I don't know if it has – I'm sure it has a lot to do, with, obviously, with the COVID year, which caused, uh, obviously, just absolute chaos. But um, if you look at this draft, it was very hard after probably the first round to like gauge nothing fell as it was slotted. It was all over the place. I think teams because of that really, I think this year more than any, the scouting departments really earned their value this year, you know, and the teams really had to go by. These are the players we want. They didn't have the luxury of like stacking their board based on three years of tape and everything else. So I think it was a very different draft. I, I th- that's why I think the draft was all over the place this year. You know, guys were taking 20, you know, literally 20, 20, 30 slots over their projected picks, even in the later round. So um, I think that had a lot to do with it. So I think this is going to be, like I said, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of talent out there to be brought into camp. Um, for these teams, I think it's going to be very advantageous for the teams. And I think, like I said, I think a lot of veterans are going to have a surprise waiting for them and they're going to get cut. So I think June's going to be very interesting, Tom. I think it's going to be a lot of uh, gems sitting out there for the Rams to bring in at a very low price. Yeah. The, the, the positions that I was surprised that they didn't go after more were uh, you know, defensive tackle, so we have you know, two free agents next year, uh, Gaines and Robinson. And um, so a little surprise there. Uh, I think that does suggest that there's some confidence in you know, guys like Bobby Brown and Copeland and, and Heck got more snaps than both of most those guys last year, I think. So uh, they have some confidence there, but eh, a little surprising. They didn't bring in a defensive tackle, um, again, projecting for next year. Um, the edge was something that we had all thought we were going to see a lot more of. Um, they did bring in three uh, undrafted free agents in that position, but um, and then brought in the, the Daniel Hardy pick. But again, I thought there was going to be more urgency there. And um, and then the, uh, uh, the linebacker, inside linebacker, is a position that uh, they're always fortifying in the draft. And uh, and uh, the only thing they did there was bring in an undrafted free agent um, who I believe is gonna, is one of the guys that has the best chance of contributing, by the way, Jay Hummel from Iowa State. But having said that, uh, no draft, no, dra- no, nobody drafted that position. Very, That was a little bit surprising. So those are the three positions. Uh, but they did have to make their choices. They focused this draft on their secondary, and I believe that's going to be covered for the years to come. So uh, uh, we will see next year what they do. Yeah, if, if there's a thing that still concerns me post a draft here is, you know, last year we had Whitworth at left tackle, and I just always had uh, – I I got a lot of comfort knowing that Joseph Noteboom was waiting in the wings if there was an issue with Whitworth, if he got hurt. Uh, and I don't have that that warm feeling anymore if something happens to Noteboom. Uh, we have a Curry, the draft pick, of course. Um, hopefully he – 
pans out and he could be a potential backup to no boom. I know there's a couple guys on the roster, but nobody that, uh, you know, uh, that left tackle position is so important with this team. Uh, so that that's one thing that I think concerns me. And, and like you mentioned, Tom, a little less concerned about defensive tackle. I thought they would draft there. The fact that they haven't tells me that they do feel good about the guys they have, but I thought they might have. I thought they were going to draft one defensive lineman, a big boy up front, at some point. I think a lot of these questions are going to be answered in the coming days uh, with uh, uh, how this week plays out in with the the next phase of free agency and um, post draft. It's uh, some of these questions I believe will be addressed. Yeah, by Friday, I think the issue, like, or at least what direction they're going to go in, in terms of swing tackle running back, uh, you know, um, there's talk also about bringing back Fox if he gets cut loose from. Yeah, that, that crossed my mind as well. Yeah, you know? so uh, I when I read that, I was like, yeah, I, I mean, I was a big fan of his when he was here, and he produced. Yeah, you know, Morgan Fox and Troy Hill, two guys that were yeah. so productive, and then they go elsewhere for one year. And I have to say, this has been the most fun I've had in an offseason <laughs> being a Ram fan in yeah. a really, really long time. So I'm really excited. Like I said, by Friday, I think there's going to be a lot of clarity. I mean, if anything, the, the draft was sort of like, okay, we expect a little bit more, but okay. But um, I think the real excitement is going to be in the next week or two. I think we yeah. have time for my one last question, and that was uh, non-Ram related. Now, we're going to come back in, in a – another time and we'll talk about the NFC West, the draft picks, the moves they've made, the whole league in general. But I did want to uh, each of us give a shot at the one thing from yesterday from the draft that really stood out, non-RAM related. And the one thing that stood out for me is I think the New York Jets killed it. I think they they are on their way to being relative, being relevant, being relevant again. And I think in a couple of years, that might be one of the tougher divisions in the league. Uh, I, their first four picks were just like, they just nailed it. I mean, they they got uh, everything they need. I love their coach. I think they're on their way to being a very good team. I mean, they still have to prove it, obviously. And I'm not sure about their quarterback. A lot of people love him. But that was one thing that stood out for me was the New York Jets having a great three-day draft. Yeah, the um, to me, what stood out was the Ravens, uh, in particular. I think that they had a, such a Ravens draft. Um, I'm not sure they picked. I, I didn't see. I see the last, the uh, the final list, but I'm not sure they picked a wide receiver after getting rid of Hollywood Brown. And uh, you know, uh, I don't know what that says about um, uh, you know how they're uh, how they're viewing their their quarterback situation there, and the, uh, you know that that negotiation that's going on but anyway they just picked the best you know they picked the the best uh safety and then they picked the best center and they just got the best player and, uh, you know some players fell to them uh i i'm just very into the uh, the systems that successful teams use to perennially be in contention and while the jets had an impressive haul right how many other times have we said that about teams that are, uh, um, you know, on the bottom of the barrel, you know, they get a guy in they're they're all excited. Oh, we got all these guys. We're going to be great. You know, there's never a one year fix in this league yeah. unless, you know, there's fixes that put you over the top, but 
you, you, a draft, you know, there has to be a systematic approach to things. I, I texted a friend of mine who's a big Jets fan, and uh, I said, man, you guys are killing it. And he wrote back, I'm overseas. What's going on? <laughs> and I said, well, you guys just had a really great draft. And, and he responded, don't worry, it's not going to work or something to that effect. Yeah, a lot of great um, players there. And they're going to be, you know what? A lot of those great players are going to be fantastic players for other teams. Um, you know, uh, if if history repeats itself, I'm not rooting against the Jets. I love them. It's one of my favorite fan bases uh, that I would love our team to emulate. Um, they're uh, passionate, very large and very respectful, and they're very committed and loyal. And um, as the Rams grow our fan base, uh, you know, one of the smallest in the league at this point, um, you know, we can look to some other fan bases that we'd like to emulate. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that of that team and that fan base. But their management is uh, is consistently been um, poor, and um, you know they might turn it around, but you know, that's yet to be seen. Yeah, yeah, versus somebody listen- like the Ravens, who is consistent, um, even after Ozzie Newsom left, you know, kept that same culture, and uh, is again killed it. Yeah, if you listen to some of the outside voices, uh, the Ram fan base is us three and one other guy. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I always respond is like that's not necessarily a bad thing. We have we have a great team to ourselves, but I know nah. there's more than four of us. But yeah, I mean, just to continue with and shout out to Ozzy Newsom because you know what he built is still working, mm-hmm. right? And th- that's that's testament of genius right there. And <laughs> you know, look at it, and you're right, the Jets crushed it. I mean, look at what they walked away with. But you know what was interesting is that. Um, Ozzie Newsom said something once at an interview, and I read it. He said they were asking about his system and everything else, and he was sharing his insights. And he said, the, the key to the draft is never panic. Trust your board. Trust that your board is going to give you the value. When, you, when it's all said and done and you look at your board, you're going to get the value that you wanted with the players you picked. And when I was watching the draft, my son is a, is a Jet fan. I'm always thinking about him. I'm like, oh, please don't ruin the draft. My poor son's going to be heartbroken, right? It was interesting. The the Jets were patient, and the players just started to fall to them. And they walked away. Look, they walked away with Sauce. They walked away with Garrett Wilson. They walked away with Jermaine Johnson at 26 when he was slotted to like at 11 or 12. So, and then, brilliant move. What do they do? They make a deal, and they go get Brees Hall, right? Arguably the best mm-hmm. running back in the draft between him and Kenneth Walker. I mean, it just great stuff all around. Uh, by the way, the tight end that they drafted, Jeremy Ruckert, shout out to him from Ohio State. He's from Long Island, Lindenhurst, Long Island, so shout out to him. Right, you got a Long Island player out there playing for the Jets. Can't get any better than that. Uh, Max Mitchell was a great prospect, and Michael Clemens, who had some uh, red flags, character concerns, but great potential. So they walked away with a haul. They really did. Um, but somewhat related to you know to the Rams, you know one team I was watching because I picked them to come out of the AFC and play in the Super Bowl was Buffalo, and I was like, please do not let Buffalo walk away with a great running back because this was a solid running back core, and who'd they walk away with? Hmm. James Cook. And I was just like, yeah. oh man, so not a good thing for us in terms of, and that was the one team I was sort of. And they got, they got the punting God as well. Right. Yeah. So they, and they did, and they did fairly well because they got a great corner. They got the kid from Florida that I like, um, uh, Khalil, um, Elam. They got him and they also picked up. I mean, this kid is smooth. He reminds me a lot of Robert Woods, uh, Khalil Shakir. 
they got him as well. So they did fairly well for themselves. But that James Cook uh, uh, signing now, they got Cook and Singletary plus the alpha quarterback, Allen. Man, they're going to be tough. But one team that really wrecked it in the draft that did really, really well was Green Bay. They quietly, if you look at their draft, so they got Tom's buddy right off the top. So they they let off at twenty two. Tom, yeah, Quay unbelievable that guy went that early. But yeah, we all we all knew that guy was yeah. a freak. Twenty eight. They got Devonte Wyatt. Then they got Chris, uh, Christian Watson at thirty four. Then they took one of my favorite players from UCLA. I know you're a UCLA alum, Sean yeah. Ryan. Shout out to him. He was a great lineman. Then they took Romeo Dobbs out of a Nevada. Then they took probably the most underrated lineman in this entire draft. Probably, in my opinion, the best pass protector in this draft, Zach Toms, right, from uh, Wake Forest. My buddy graduated from there. He always says, call it workforce. You got to work to graduate from there. So uh, Zach Toms. Then they took my favorite uh, outside edge guy, Kingsley uh, Anigbari. They took him. They took Tariq Carpenter, the linebacker from Georgia Tech. And they took uh, one of my underrated linemen, Rasheed Walker, out of Penn State. So they had a haul. They did really, really great as well. And I actually gave them, of all the teams, uh, after the Jets, I gave them the highest grade for the for the draft. Yeah, Green and Bay always drafts well, right? Yeah. So they quietly, they crushed it. So very relevant to us, right? So we got that NFC competition right there. Had a great draft. Um, uh, meanwhile, they had three wide receivers that they drafted. So – um, and then you got Buffalo with that James Cook pick and then that uh, young corner. So, you know, just to keep an yeah. eye out for. We can come back in a week or two um, and talk about some of these other teams. Specifically, we need to talk about the Seahawks, Cardinals, and 49ers. Uh, I know there's some interesting things going on with them. I uh, Some draft picks that I thought were uh, some good picks, actually, and some curious ones at all uh, as well. Um, so we'll we'll do that another time if you yeah. guys are up for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just got to give a last shout out to, uh, which we won't be covering um, in future because we focus on the NFC West, but I got to give a shout out to the Eagles too. I think they really killed their draw. Yeah. I mean, draft. The, when the trade yeah, they yeah. got and the whole thing was just, I mean, it was a masterful master. And I, yeah, they could very easily yeah, win, I that think division, win that I think. division. Um, I do. And I mean, Nicobe Dean at 83. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Cam Jurgens. Uh, Jordan Davis. I mean, this is you know, AJ and AJ Brown right on top. Of yeah, AJ Brown. They got a great tight end wow. which they needed. I mean, it just goes on and on. These guys, I think, are right up there. Um, and then they're also a contending team, right? This isn't a team that they were in the playoffs and they did and they went and did this. Right, so right. Uh, I look for Philadelphia to uh, to have a great season. Okay, let's wrap it up then. Uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate your time. Two straight Sundays. Um, I know I really appreciate you taking your time, uh, your own personal time to help out this show. Uh, and we will do it again real soon. All right. Always a pleasure to talk ramble with you yeah, guys. Super, All super right, exciting okay. draft. And uh, and uh, this week's going to be super exciting as well. And, um, you know, We'll have We're just going to be busy. Yeah, have a lot to talk about <laughs> for sure, and uh, it will be fun to go through those uh, the NFC West, um, af- especially after this week. And we can not only look at their drafts, mm-hmm. but also what happened afterwards. And um, uh, so, yeah, super excited. 
Okay, I'll sync up with you guys later in the week and see when it makes sense to do this again. Thanks a lot for your time and have a great Sunday afternoon. Thanks, you guys as well. All right, Badger and Blue, Rams up. All right, bye-bye. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.